This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill är så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, yeah. Carlson, Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who are very excited for hockey to start. Can't believe it might be less than two months. I am your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me, not as always, because Brian Com actually isn't here today, but I've got a very special guest for you instead. His name is William Nadeau. He's the co-host of the Nads and Gabs Fantasy Hockey Podcast. He's a guy who's obsessed with goalies. We're going to get into that with him. He's also a dynasty expert. He's expert in a lot of things. But first off, welcome to the show, William. Thanks, Elon. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you here. You messaged me and you were telling me about all of your goalie expertise. And I thought, man, this would be so fun because Brian and I, when we did that episode uh, a few weeks ago, now breaking down UFA, we sort of saved the goalies for the end. And we talked a little bit about our takes of, you know, Crawford to New Jersey and Holpe to Vancouver or whatever. But, you know, we didn't have too much time to dig into goalies. So I thought this would be the perfect chance to do a full episode about all the goalie situations that have changed over the last month with an expert. And you're someone who not only knows about fantasy stats and watches some games like Brian and I, you were telling me you actually are like watching goalie tape and, and you're like you're basically like a full-on coach. Yeah, absolutely. YouTube is like a great resource for, for that kind of thing. There's a lot of videos play-by-play sometimes with a goalie coach who likes to like comment it and it's very, very interesting. And for the eye test, I think it's pretty, pretty good, pretty interesting because stats are one thing, advanced stats too. But the the eye test uh, is very important too, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think especially for goalies, right? Because they're so tricky to predict. Even all us fancy stats people that are like analyzing the data and looking at the goals saved above average and the wins above replacement, all these things, we still do a terrible job, it seems, of predicting goalie <laughs> performance. So it seems like it'll help to actually know about how the goalie plays. And so that'll be fun. We're going to talk through the situations and you'll we'll discuss the stats. We'll discuss how you think these goalies look when they play and we'll try to predict uh, if we think the stats from last year are going to be the same as the stats next year maybe also try to predict who the starting goalie is going to be in some situations where they have a couple options uh, i guess before we get into that let me i got a few things all right so william just uh, uh hold on for just one sec i'm really excited to get into the goalies first i'll mention uh we are presented by dauberhockey.com so very proud about that it's the best fantasy hockey website out there you've got articles every single day anytime there has been a transaction over the summer they've been there breaking it down breaking down the fantasy impact which is always really useful for us the people who are playing fantasy hockey plus you've got all the tools over at frozen tools so it's an invaluable resource, dauberhockey.com. 
Uh, and then William, the second thing I got, so that was three things. So number one was at DobberHockey.com. Number two, I've got a big announcement, which affects you because you, I see, played in the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League for your first time last season. And you had a very good showing. Fourth out of 14th place. Well done. Yeah, it was very interesting. I think I had a good draft. I I had the eighth overall pick, I, I think, and I was very fortunate to have Leon Dreisaitl, so it helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dreisaitl was amazing last year. And actually, we'll get into Dreisaitl in a second. So as far as the couple goes, my announcement is that the couple's starting soon. So this is like a semi-announcement. We haven't opened up signups yet, but I just want to let people know it is like on the radar. By the time we record our next episode, which will be a week from today, a week from Sunday, Kukupful registration will be open and Brian are super excited to get going we have some really fun plans for the season it's going to be you know anyone is eligible to join all you have to do is be a patron of keeping Carlson and you know it's a whole tiered system so you're going to start at the bottom just like William did and then already Williams moved himself up to guaranteed tier four maybe even higher depending on how many people sign up and next thing you know you could end up being in tier one and you could be a a huge celeb winning the cupful so just like Max, by the way, who won this past year. We're going to try to get Max on, actually, for the next show to celebrate his win and announce the big opening. So I just want to let people know the Kukupful is coming and we want you in. So if you're thinking of, you know, what fantasy leagues you want to play in, save room. Save room for the Kukupful. It's going to be fun. Uh, okay, the next announcement is that, well, you mentioned how you had Leon Dreisaitl. Did you project that Dreisaitl was going to have this 125-plus like pace when you picked him? No, not not the 125-point pace. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, you're not alone. <laughs> like, I, you know, look at a lot of projections going into the fantasy season. I did not see anyone projecting Dreisaitl to be so high. But, you know, Brian and I have been thinking, what if we got, like, the best minds together to come up with our own fantasy projections? And then, you know, brainstorm, light bulb went off. We have this, like, great group of patrons of Keeping Carlson, people who love fantasy so much that they even support a fantasy hockey podcast. So we're going to put our patrons to work and we're going to start the Patron Projection Project uh, which is, we'll see how this goes. We're going to be putting out a form every single day to our patron, like Facebook group and Discord, you know, reach out to them to get the patrons to help us come up with projections. And then we're going to, it's like a crowdsource project, you know, like, then we'll put all the projections together for all the players and we'll see how we compare to the big names, like the, the Daubers of the world and the Scott Cullens, the Dom Lucicians. So, uh, this is like going to be pretty crazy and it's going to be going like every single day we're going to be putting out new forms to project like maybe 10 players at a time or something and by the end you know we'll have our set of projections we could all use the projections and who knows maybe like 300 monkeys a 300 typewriter I don't know exactly what that saying is but hopefully we'll end up coming up with the Shakespeare of fantasy projections yeah yeah it's a great idea yeah, I'm excited to see how this goes. Hopefully we do. I think we'll do pretty well, right? Because Brian and I, we're not going to be able to do the almanac this year. The timing hasn't worked out. So we're not coming up with the projections on our own. So instead, uh, we'll just get the patrons to do it for us. But obviously, Brian and I will be participating too. We'll be having a lot of fun discussion, I'm sure, arguing about how players ended up as we uh, go through and share the results. But okay, all of that preamble aside, let's get into today's episode. We've got you here, William, to break down all of these new goalie situations. And after last week's episode, where we had a special guest, Victor Nuno, who dropped a bomb. He was talking about prospects and a prospect draft we did. And he was he dropped this huge bomb saying that, he, in his opinion, Thatcher Demko isn't even a top 15 prospect goalie, which uh, caused a lot of people to disagree with him. And it was a lot of fun hearing his reasons. Uh, so, But let's, let's start in Vancouver, where they have this Thatcher Demko guy 
who, as we all know, had that amazing playoffs, or at least the last three games of the playoffs after Markstrom got hurt before the Canucks got eliminated. And now going to next season, uh, Jacob Markstrom didn't sign. And so could have just been Demko's net, but Vancouver went and signed Braden Holpe to that two-year, $4.3 million AAV contract. And Holpe is someone who has not been having a good go of it over the past little while. 897 save percentage in 48 games last season. Got overtaken by Ilya Samsonov for a bit. Demko actually wasn't like that amazing last season, the regular season. Just a 905 save percentage in the 27 games he played. But everyone just remembers the playoffs. So what's your take on the Vancouver net for next year? Do you think Holpe comes in and he's like the starter? He's going to be what Markstrom was last year? Or do you think at this point it's going to be like a 50-50 thing? No, I fully expect Vancouver to give the majority of the starts to to them cool because I really think that if those three amazing games in the playoffs don't happen, we're talking today about how Jacob Markstrom can replicate or not his, uh, let's say it, MVP-like season in, in Vancouver. So I really think that if those three games didn't happen, uh, we're talking about how Jacob Markstrom is a Vancouver Canuck today uh, with, uh, with Thatcher Demko as the backup. Now, uh, Demko is the reason why they let, uh, let's say it, one of their best players walk away in Jacob Markstrom. So to me, he, he's taking that role and will get the long leash. Uh, Vancouver needs to figure out at 100% what they have in, in Demko before the, the Seattle expansion draft. And um, when you look at Holby's contract, which is a pretty nice deal for, for Vancouver, I'd say I really, I, I really was thinking that he was going to sign for more than that and maybe longer. So according to me, it's a good contract. And you realize that maybe the, the opportunity for Jim Benning was just too good to pass, um, to have a very nice safety belt for their uh, relatively inexperienced, uh, very talented very promising, but pretty inexperienced goalie in Thatcher Demko. So, um, yeah, it, it was a nice opportunity for him, for, for them to have a nice uh, safety belt uh, with uh, Holby, and they took it. And I think they will be a, a good combo, but uh, Demko is the, the number one for me. Oh, wow. Okay. This is like what you think they should do, or are you talking more like what you think they will do? Because I mean, I, I mean, agree. Like the way Holby's been playing, I'm surprised he was even able to get so much money. I guess obviously he has that Stanley Cup and he had all those great seasons, even though the last three haven't been great. But I guess it's a two year contract and maybe they overpay to get someone with a lot of experience. And I think what you're saying is smart. Uh, but even about Demko, let me dig into him quickly. Uh, so, like, he had, like you said, if he doesn't have those three playoff games, then we're having a completely different conversation. So what makes you think that, that those three playoff games are representative of his overall talent and not the more middling 905 save percentage that he had in the season in general? I think that's good for them, actually, because he, he has a history of performing very, very good in great moments, in high-pressure moments. And he will have those moments during the season with a guy like Braden Holby behind his back. And I think that Holby could be a good thing for them to, to force him to be the best version of himself because if he, can, if he cannot perform... Well, Holby's there to get the majority of the starts. So he, he will push Demko to be the best version of himself. And 
I think it will benefit his, his fantasy managers. And as much as I like a guy like Mikey DiPietro, for a team like the Canucks who wants to be competitive this season, make the playoffs, it was way too risky to go into the season with Demko and, and DiPietro, especially with the, a condensed schedule. So um, really, I think it's the, the, the best situation for Vancouver to have their guy in Demko see what they really have in him before the, the expansion draft of the, the, the Seattle Kraken. And if it doesn't pan out, if it doesn't work, we see the Demko, we signed their regular season. Well, they have a, a guy capable in, uh, in Braden Olby. Right, and then they have Michael DiPietro. So yeah, lots of options. Makes sense to me. And yeah, I hope that you're right. Who knows? Maybe Holpe, you know, wasn't great as a starter on the Caps, but maybe he'll be a very capable 1B on Vancouver and it'll look like a really good signing. Hey, Montreal's paying $4 million to have Jake Allen, so why can't Vancouver pay for a potential backup in Holpe? And, you know, it's up to Demko now to earn that job and get the starts that Markstrom had last year. Uh, so that's Vancouver. Uh, so do you agree or disagree, by the way, with Victor's take that it sounds like you disagree with Victor's take yeah. that Demko is not a very <laughs> highly regarded prospect? No, no. Yeah, I, I disagree. I, I think he's a very, very good prospect. And maybe we can look back at the at this take uh, one one year away from now. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Demko is one of my favorite. He's not like Samsonov or, or Shesterkin like. But he's definitely a, a very good young goaltender. And I think he have a, a future as a starter in this league. Okay, cool. Maybe this year. All right, so next, I mean, I'll, we'll jump around. I don't have a particular order here, but I might as well, since we talked about Jacob Markstrom, let's talk about him now going to the Calgary Flames. So obviously this like David Riddick thing hasn't really worked out. At one point, it seemed like Big Save Dave was going to be the starter and like Cam Talbot came in as the backup last year. But then as the season wore on, uh, Talbot was playing a lot better than Riddick. And then going to the playoffs, Talbot was the guy who played for the Flames in their short stint there. Uh, so then they bring in Jacob Markstrom, who's coming off this amazing season. I feel like the numbers, this will be something I'll be curious to hear about the eye test, right? Because the numbers were good, but like not as amazing as what people describe him as. Get a 918 save percentage in 43 games, but that was enough to earn Markstrom a six year, six million per year contract with Calgary. Got to assume at this point, that means Riddick is the back. You'll let me know if I disagree, but I'm going to assume Riddick and his 907 save percentage and him continually getting usurped by a different guy, Talbot last year, Mike Smith the year before. I'm assuming Riddick is for sure the backup. Markstrom is a starter. My Yeah, my main question to you is... How good is Jacob Markstrom? Like, is he worth six million a year for six years, even though he's already in his early 30s? Absolutely. Absolutely. Markstrom is very good. And w when you look at a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky, who, who signed 10 millions per, Markstrom is yeah, actually a, a pretty good deal. Yeah. So uh, th this one is pretty obvious for me. I think this is a, a Florida Panthers-like situation in the net where no matter what, Calgary will give all the starts to Mark Strum and the, the fantasy value for a guy like Riddick to me is very, very low. Uh, he had already several and several opportunities to be this team's number one goalie for a long time. And it just hasn't worked for uh, Big Save Dave. I, I did love that narrative, but at this point, I think it's it's uh, in the past. He was outplayed by the likes of Mike Smith and Cam Talbot, who are, with all due respect, much worse goaltender than Mark Strum, according to me. So uh, 
really look at Markstrom like you were looking at Bobrovsky last year in draft. I would say that Redditch value is like a Jake Allen-ish value, but I would probably take Allen of uh, Allen ahead of him at this point because I think he would give me better results with pretty even number of starts. So yeah, I love Markstrom in this spot, and I think it's a pretty lateral move for him to go to Calgary from Vancouver. So, um, so yeah, I, I love Mark Strum and uh, it, it's, uh, I think it would be the, the three rules I, I apply. Uh, I, I was excited to, to talk to you, Elon, about those three rules. I, I dig a lot. I made a lot of research to try to have headlines, have rules about how to dissect correctly a goalie tandem when you don't know how the, 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 the situation will shake out, how the, the, the starts will be given to the two goaltenders. And historically, there's three rules. Contract, the, the goalie with the, the bigger contract will always have the, the longest leash. The history with the team, history with the coach. I, I think about Mike Smith here, the history with right. the coach. And the, the capital invested in the player, was he a first-round draft pick? Uh, was he acquired for a superstar player? So the capital invested in a player can have an impact in the, the number of starts he will have, the history with the team or the coach, and the contract. Right. It seems like here, Markstrom just has that contract. And Riddick, he has a history with the team, not a successful history for the no, most no, part. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Not a successful one, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. So you you brought up Bobrovsky just to like get a, a benchmark here. Like and now, uh, I I wasn't planning on bringing up Florida because their situation doesn't change. But like if you were picking in fantasy for next year, I'm assuming you're taking Markstrom over Bobrovsky. If you know you have the option to get either one. Yeah, I'd go with Markstrom. Yes. Oh man, Bobrovsky's fallen. I'm curious. I'm going to be curious to know which of these goalies who like was good before you're going to say isn't going to be good. I'm excited to get like a, a hot take like that. So it sounds like it's not coming for Markstrom, and we'll see if it comes with someone else. But uh, the next team I wanted to bring up isn't a team that has someone who's been really good before. So you're not going to be able to give this take for them. It's uh, the Ottawa Senators, and they signed Matt Murray to this four-year, $6.25 million contract. And he's someone kind of like Holtby, right? Like he, at one point was really awesome. People were talking about him amongst like, maybe one of the top fantasy goalies to draft if you could get him because he was on a great team and he had those great couple rookie seasons and he was like a heralded prospect. And then recently, things have not been so rosy for Murray. Like, and then last year was his worst yet, right? 899 save percentage uh, in 38 games. He was bumped by Tristan Jari by the end of it. But I guess the Sens, they didn't care. They said, you're worth more than Jacob Markstrom. 6.25 million for four years. So Murray comes in now and is going to, I assume, be the starter over guys like Marcus Hogberg and Anders Nilsson, who have shown flashes of being pretty good. But I mean, like you said, like, they're not going to be paying this contract to Murray to uh, have him sit on the bench. So like, I'm curious. So I'm not going to b- waste your time asking you who's going to be the starter in Ottawa. I just want to ask you, like, is Matt Murray, like, from what you've seen lately, I don't know if you've been watching the game tape on Murray, but like, is he still the same goalie that he used to be where he could potentially lead this team into the playoffs and be like a star? Or should we be worried that Ottawa just got themselves a lemon, a guy who has trouble staying healthy and is this like sub 900 save percentage guy that he showed us to be last year? Yeah, the, the talent is still there, but the issue with Murray, I think, and I'm a Pittsburgh Penguin fan, so I, I'm familiar with him. I'm a goaltender in life, so I can understand these things 
where um, you just get affected mentally. So I really think that Matt Murray's problem, I, I would say, is Jordan Bennington's strength. Why I, I, I really, really loved Bennington when he had that, uh, that run in the Stanley, Stanley Cup final and everything and winning the Stanley Cup is really that he, he looks untouchable. He was so strong mentally, so confident. And same for Matt Murray when he had success with Pittsburgh and those two Stanley Cups and those two runs. He looked very, very confident, but when things got worse, you realize that maybe Matt, Matt Murray was not the strongest uh, goaltender mentally be- between his uh, years. And you realize that um, when things are not going the way he would love them to go, um, it's harder for him. It's hard to find back his, his confidence. And it leads to him like leaving the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think it was like last year or the year before. He had to leave for personal reasons because things were going very, very bad. And then he came back and was pretty good. So I, I really think, honestly, that uh, Matt Murray's problem is not his technique or the talent. It's pretty much between the ears. It's maybe a mental strength problem, I'd say. Wow. So that is that the kind of thing, like when you've had this take on goalies before, is it something that you see them generally overcoming? Or is that something we need to be really worried about if we're a sense? I'm wearing my sense hat right now in support of Matt Murray. And I'm not happy to hear that he might not have the the uh, mental strength to handle the pressure of being a goalie for like what's going to be probably not a great defensive team. So he's definitely going to be facing a tough workload. Yeah, but I, I mean, the, 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 the situation is different. The pressure is different. In Pittsburgh, he had the pressure to win, 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 make right. the playoffs, win the Stanley Cup. So now... He, he, yeah, he signed the, the, the big contract, but he goes in Ottawa more like a, an underdog with like no expectations. Well, expectations to perform, but I mean, way, way, way much uh, lower expectations to win and make the playoffs and win Stanley Cup. So I, I don't know what the result will, will be, but I, I think the, the change of scenery for him will be a, a good thing uh, generally. Yeah, I mean... At the end of the day, he can't be any worse. And like you said, Ottawa has this big investment in him. So he's obviously going to get a long leash. And now we'll have to just hope that he can bounce back. Like Patty is saying in the chat, like Murray's still young, only 26. So he yeah. could have like a long, successful career ahead of him. And that would be great for Ottawa. And I'd be happy to see it for Murray. And then, so these other Ottawa goalies, like who do you think is going to win the backup job? Like Anders Nilsson was pretty decent last year, actually. He only played 20 games. We had a 908 save percentage, which is even more impressive considering it was on the Sens. Uh, but he had all these concussion issues that I have seen like on Roto World. He's expected to be ready for this next season when it starts so does that mean Nilsson is going to be the backup or do you think that Marcus Hogberg is someone who can take that job because he took over when Nilsson was injured and he was the main goalie on the team uh like even getting more starts than Craig Anderson by the end of the season and Anderson's obviously not coming back so yeah what do you think of Hogberg and Nilsson because like I still worry that let's say Murray can't hold on next thing you know one of these guys could end up doing you know becoming the starter also murray has the injury history so i think like knowing who the backup is on ottawa is going to be useful in case murray gets injured or continues to struggle absolutely and let's say it nilson has been very good at, at time for the sense uh, with that said with matthew murray as the starter he proved that he can't handle a, a large workload so yeah the backup that the one b or the no I, I, not the one b really the backup 
will have fantasy value because at times Murray will need like to 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 rest and maybe he will get injured. Let's hope it will not be the case, but I mean we'll see. But with with that said, with Matt Murray at the starter, um, if Nilsson is healthy and Augberg, they, they will mix in. I, I will I would rank their fantasy value like Murray a considerable gap. Hogberg and then Nilsson because it to me it's risky to invest in an injury prone backup yeah. goaltender. Plus, there's the fact that it's possible that Ottawa decides they, they want to take a look at what they have in the likes of Joey Dacard, who was very good last year in Belleville, and Philip Gustafsson, who, who has struggled a lot in North America, but is having success right now in Sweden. And he's been considered as one of the very top goalie prospects for a couple of years now. So he, he was acquired in the Derek Brassard trade, by the way, with the Penguins. But it, it's another... Uh, guy to to keep in mind so to me it's very very risky to invest a draft capital or waiver claim or whatever in an injury prone backup goaltender for the Ottawa Senators so I'd go with Ogberg but Nilsson can can give you some pretty good good starts that for that's for sure yeah I remember when Nilsson was playing it would be like he'd have one like amazing start and like stop like 49 of 50 shots something crazy then he'd get like blown up the next day and I don't know if that was something about him or more just about the team and like maybe for some of these games just no goalie would have been able to bail out the Sens and yeah I know you're also talking in terms of uh, dynasty perspective you were telling me before the show you're in four dynasty leagues right now which to me is is kind of crazy but uh, I like that you said Joey Decord because Mathieu and I drafted him in our dynasty league so we'll see I wouldn't mind if he could come up and become the backup for Ottawa but I guess that's probably a year or two away uh but yeah I mean we'll find out in training camp right in terms of in terms of Hogberg or Nielsen and who's going to start the season as the backup and yeah. if, you, if you had to bet right now who do you think it's going to be I think it's going to be Hogberg okay cool yeah I guess it makes sense he was there last year for a while but I don't I, maybe it'll just be up to whoever plays better uh, by the way uh you were talking about the eye test and how like you like you look at how the goalies are playing uh, along with the stats like maybe now would be a good time before we go to our next team like what are you looking for, William, when you're looking at goalie performance? You gave us your three tenets of who's going to be the starter. Uh, but how about just like what things are you looking for when you're watching goalie play to try to decide if this is a talented goalie or not? Like, I, honestly, you're, you're getting my ignorance come out of me. Like, I know how to look at the stats. I know how to look at the highlights and see if the goalie made a really awesome glove save. But what are you looking at in terms of the fundamentals? I want a goalie who's fast, confident. I want a goalie who controls his rebound. Uh, I want I want a goalie who's all, always in the right position, in the good position, uh, because uh, let's say it, a, a goaltender who always goes with the big save and the desperate save, it means that he was not in the greatest uh, position possible. When you look at a goaltender, and you probably saw that a, a couple of times, Elon, when you looked at NHL games, when you look at a uh, at the goaltenders and the, the save looks too easy for him. He's always at the right place, square. It's easy. There's no rebound, no nothing flashy, but always in the right position. That's what I look at because I think that's what is more uh, easy to predict in the future and what is more sustainable because big saves and desperate saves are not sustainable to me. 
Right. So, yeah, that definitely makes sense. I remember I went to a game a couple seasons ago, maybe three seasons ago now. It was the Leafs against the Islanders, and the Leafs shut out the Islanders. I remember seeing John Tavares on the Islanders very frustrated because he wasn't able to get anything going. And then the next season he signed with the Leafs. So I always like to think that it was this game that I was at that convinced him that it was like, if you can't beat him, join him. But anyways, I remember that game, uh, Frederick Anderson got the shutout, but it didn't look like he made any good saves. Like, it was all like the most basic saves. So I guess that's a great example of that, where yeah. he got the shutout and didn't even look like he did anything that impressive. Exactly. Exactly. So like, so then when you say just, you know, when you say that Matt Murray, it's more like a mental thing with him and he has a skill. So how does that manifest? Like when you're watching a game, is it that Matt Murray just sometimes isn't getting into position or he's like cheating too much or like, yeah. what is it that about him that makes you think that, yeah, that gives you your conclusion? Uh, with Matt Murray, it's so easy to see when when he, he gave up a bad goal or like a couple of goals in short, uh, short amount of times, the the save after the shot after is out of position is is looking for that big save and uh yeah with, with matt murray I, I could show you some uh, videotapes maybe but it, with him it's very very easy to see when he's on his game when he's on his game he's all always at the right place he, he seems impossible to beat but when he's off his game i mean it's over sliding uh, overreacting and yeah, with, with Matt Murray, it's a great, great, great example, yes. Okay, yeah, that's very interesting. Okay, so I guess that's that's the big thing, right? I guess when you're saying someone has, like, this, like, sort of confidence issue or something, right? It's like, if they've let in a goal, how are they performing after that? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, there's also some goalies you find in fantasy who, like, if they've had a really bad game, they almost always play well the next game. I found that that was something with uh, Bennington on St. Louis. Yeah, like, he Bennington, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we're we're starting to learn things here. Uh, okay. Let's go to the next team that I have on the list here. Let's go to the New Jersey Devils, who have decided not to bring back Corey Schneider, which isn't a surprise. And instead, they signed another Corey in Corey Crawford to a two-year, three point nine million per year deal. And Crawford is no spring chicken. He's he's younger than me, but he's already up to thirty-five years old. But he's coming off a really great season. This is a guy who we were very concerned might be almost out of the league with some concussion issues. But the last couple of years, he's been playing and he's been great. And last year, he had a nine seventeen save percentage in forty games. The only reason he didn't play more is because Robin Leonard even outplayed that. Uh, so, but now he goes to a team in the Devils, who also have a kind of an upstart goalie who's been really good in Mackenzie Blackwood, who had a 9.15 save percentage overall on the season in 47 games. But like he had that amazing stretch in January and February. Like once he took over full time from Schneider, like he was just like having 9.50 plus save percentage games, like game in, game out. And the Devils were actually starting to look good. And you know maybe some people were saying, oh, it's because Taylor Hall left. But if you look at it, it's like clearly Mackenzie Blackwood stepped up in a big way. Maybe also Gusev and now I'm getting you know too off topic but so I think it's a really interesting situation I guess similar to Vancouver in some ways that you've got a young goalie who we were excited like you know going into the offseason like I can't wait to see what Mackenzie Blackwood could do next year but now it's like well now they have Corey Crawford so I don't even know who is going to get the starts and also I don't know who is better so I guess you could tell me both the comparison with uh, Vancouver is great, Elon, and I, I will say that uh, that one took me by, by surprise, honestly, because I was convinced that the Devils were ready to go uh, for it and roll with Blackwood as their uncontested uh, starter. So the, arri- the arrival of Crawford uh, complicates things a bit. I still think that Blackwood is D1A, but uh, let's say it, Crawford has been very, very good with the bad Chicago defense last year. So he very well could be playing himself into a timeshare situation 
situation. Uh, but let's not forget that he's still kind of injury prone, uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Crawford. And Blackwood was very, very good last year. And you want bold takes? I mean, it's not bold, bold at all, but I, I really think that Mackenzie Blackwood was the MVP for the Devils last year and probably one of the most, uh, most valuable players of any NHL team because that bad Devils team was very bad and he covered that a bit and he was so good more than he ever got credit for I think if New Jersey didn't have a Mackenzie Blackwood last year honestly they would have been very like very very bad I think Detroit Red Wings like bad you you look at the the stats the other goalies there got Louis Domingue Cory uh, Schneider, they were like 880, 875, like a save percentages. So, and, and then you have Blackwood, who was very, very good. So, all in all, I, I would look at uh, Blackwood the way I'm looking at Thatcher Demko, like you said, with uh, Blackwood having the upper end due to a much bigger sample size of being very good. So, I would draft Blackwood before Demko, but the, the situations with uh, Uh, with uh, Curry Crawford and Braden Oldby are pretty similar. So, okay. And as far as so, you're really into Blackwood. Clearly, you're just yeah. uh, that you thought he was the MVP of the team. Uh, what about Crawford? Like, is is he back to vintage Crawford in terms of skill? Like, did you watch any of his games last year? Is is he back to normal, or did he somehow just? You know, I don't know. Like, I really thought that he was. We were kind of done with him. Like, I feel like he also wasn't playing that well during that time when he was also injury, having those times of missing games with the head injuries. But maybe that had to do more with the injuries themselves, and maybe some confidence issues and being worried about getting hurt again. But to you, is Crawford back to his regular self at this point? Uh I had the same feeling that you had, Elon. I really thought that uh, the the best years of Crawford were uh, gone. But we, we have to admit that what he did last year, again, with a bad Chicago defense, with a bad Chicago team, what, what he did was very, very impressive. So uh, I think he will be good in the starts he will get. But uh, Mackenzie Blackwood is the guy. He's their young goalie. He's the goalie of the future and of the, the, the present. So I, I can't understand why they would give a guy like Crawford, the majority of the starts when Blackwood was so good last year. Um, I, I mean, in the under uh, age 25 goalie in all of the NHL, I, I would probably rank him top five. I really, really like him. I would ra rank him ahead of guys like Elvis Merzlikins. And wow. uh, with what we've seen, probably there's a, a, a conversation to have between him and a guy like Ilya Samsonov because Blackwood is more proven. Uh, yeah, and I watched a lot of his games because I hone him in the Dynasty League, and I really, really think that this guy has a bright future. He's the real deal. He was amazing uh, last year, especially in January and February, and it was not like a small sample sample size of three games like Demko. It was <laughs> like a large sample size, and he was very, very good. So again, Crawford is a great veteran who will be good for Blackwood's development, but uh, I don't think that there's a, a lot of uh, fantasy value uh, here with Crawford. 
Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. We have to remember, this is probably going to be a shortened season. We still don't know exactly what the plan is for this 2021 season. For the first time, I'm not saying like 2020-21. It's just like the the 2021 season. Uh, But I guess you'd imagine there might be more back-to-backs. And a team like New Jersey, last year, like Blackwood wasn't playing. They were terrible. Like you said, they had Demang and Schneider. So they needed someone. Why not get someone who seems like he's really good? Like Corey Crawford, maybe they're paying a little bit high for a backup. But it seems to make sense to me that they've got this good young goalie in Blackwood. So let him be the main goalie, but then have Crawford there to be there for all the back-to-backs and maybe even a little more and try to get this team back to being somewhat of a contender. Like they got Jack Hughes, they've got, you know, they've had these first overall picks. Now it's time for them to uh, go and start being successful with them. Uh, Okay, so that's New Jersey. And then we could go next to the team where Corey Crawford used to play, the team where you just commented on their bad defense. And now they're going to have this bad defense and no real established starting goalie. Like, this is a really crazy situation going on in Chicago. So they traded for Malcolm Subban near the end of last year. That was actually in the Robin Leonard trade. They got back Subban as one of the pieces. And Subban, like, wasn't great, just like he hasn't been that great in his whole career, right? He has an 899 save percentage in 66 games overall with Boston, Vegas, and Chicago. Uh, 890 save percentage in 21 games last year, so even worse than he had been before. And Chicago, you know, gave him a small contract, so I guess they're going to give him a shot along with... They've got Colin Delia, who did play those 16 games in 2018-19. I recall, I guess Crawford, I believe Crawford was injured at the time, and he was pretty decent. 908 save percentage uh, was not what we were expecting from Delia. And then last year in the AHL with Rockford, he had a 912 save percentage in 32 games. And then we have this other guy, Kevin Lankinen, who played also in Rockford last year and in 21 games had a 909 save percentage and seems to have impressed. I've heard, I've read some good things about him. He's another guy, by the way, who Matthew and I took in our dynasty leagues. I'm obviously excited to hear what you think about Lankinen. But so we've got kind of a three-headed monster here. I assume, well, I I was about to say, I assume they're not going to go with three goalies going into next year. But I guess the Rangers did it last year for a bit, having three goalies on the team. So who knows, especially again with a condensed schedule like this, maybe it's worth it to have three goalies on the roster. But do you see any of these three guys as being the front runner to get the most starts on Chicago next year? Or do you think it's a total toss-up? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's the most uh, difficult situation to predict, but, uh, buckle up, Elon. My guess is that Lankinen will be Chicago uh, starting Ooh. goaltender next season. Uh, Colin Delia will be uh, there hanging around. Uh, Delia has a big story with Chicago and will have his shot. But the guy uh, definitely I'm most interested in for fantasy purposes is Lankinen. Uh, that may be a non popular opinion but I really think that he has the the highest ceiling the guy was just miraculous at the world championship for Finland in the 2019 he won games almost all by himself again against teams like Canada he had one goal against them in final Russia zero goal against them in semi-final facing guys like Conor McDavid Nikita Kucherov and company so he was very 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 good at, at this tournament and uh, ultimately he won the gold for them for Finland so he was very good he was great uh, in the Liga before that before his arrival in uh, Rockford where he was pretty good too um, and he definitely passed the eye test I did a lot of uh, videos a lot of research on him because I was interested in investing in him too in my uh, dynasty league so yeah I'm pretty high on on Lankinen and I I think it's pretty easy to see that he's the best goaltender of the three I know it's a bold take I know it 
maybe uh, I will have some some comments uh, for for that one. <laughs> but I really really like Elan Kinen, and uh, he's my guy. It's uh, at Will Nadeau twenty nine on Twitter. <laughs> if you have your uh, angry comments about this line, so what's the like the popular take? I don't even know. Like, what would the majority of people think in terms of who's going to be the starting goalie for them? Uh, like uh, Mark uh, Lazarus would say, or Scott Powers. I, I really think it's uh, Colin Delia. The, the the more logic approach, the more logic call. But with with the videos I saw on these guys. I think the the better goaltender maybe uh, for the start of the season, the guy uh, uh, dressed will be Delia and Subban. But ultimately, I really think the better goaltender will get the upper end, will get the starts, will get the number one job. And to me, the best goaltender of all three of them is Kevin Lankinen. Okay, but then I guess the next question is, say you're right, and Lankinen does get the most stars for Chicago next year. Is he still someone you want to draft or is he going to get the most starts and get caved in because Chicago still doesn't have great defense? I think you have better options, at least if you're drafting now, because now we're talking about a guy who technically is the number three goaltender on a very bad Chicago a team who like are trading away everything that could help them winning game like Brendan Saad and everything. But uh, I, I think that during the season, when you see him start starting to get starts, uh, I would uh, spend a, probably a, a flyer, a waiver wire on, on him. Right. Yeah. And I guess it depends what your strategy is for fantasy, right? Like if you yeah. want to grab a goalie early, then obviously you're not going to take Lincoln in. But if you're the type of person that just wants to get all the stud skaters, which I'm always very tempted to do and just figure out goalies later. That's again what Matthew and I did in this dynasty league. And that's why we have Lankinen and, you know, other sort of like lower level goalies. We're just hoping like one of them will hit because I feel like goalies are so unpredictable anyways. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he's someone maybe you could look at at the very end of your fantasy draft to take a, to take a yeah. swing on someone that you could drop if it's yeah. not working out for redraft leagues yeah but for a dynasty league i'm i'm pretty much interested in him so right. i think you you had a a, a great draft pick with the, with that one elon wow okay happy to hear it <laughs> uh okay so uh question from the chat here go hollywood is asking so i guess this is more for just a fantasy question if you're looking to grab a goalie for your fantasy team let's just say a one-year league just to keep it simple let's say you're going to be drafting for a couple next year yeah. in tier four maybe tier three so you don't want to mess this up uh, are you going to want to grab more of like a good tandem goalie like Corpusalo? Or a less talented goalie that will get more starts, like, say, the starter on, I don't know, like, maybe Detroit, like Thomas Grice, though maybe you'll say he's more talented. So I don't know who, who it would be, but, like, yeah, a goalie that you expect to play more but have worse results? Or do you prefer to go for the goalies that are you think are better, even if they're going to get fewer games? Um, that's a good one, actually. Usually, I go with the goalie who will get the most starts, but it depends. Carpus Allo, you know it will give you numbers. Guys like Jonathan Bernier or Jimmy Howard last year, uh, they, they ended up... Well, Bernier was good at times, but you know that uh, a lot of... A lot of starts doesn't necessarily mean fantasy success. So it, it really depends if you, if um, Hollywood, uh, I, I don't remember the, the name, but if he has examples, I, I can answer easily. But generally, I'd go with the goalie with the, with the most starts possible, but uh, it really depends. 
Yeah, maybe I would think of it more as if, like, who's going to get the most wins? You yeah. Know? Like, so even if you have Jimmy Howard last year, or, like, uh, Thomas Grice, we'll actually get to in a second, you know, like, you know, maybe he'll get a lot of starts, but is he actually going to get you a lot of wins? Maybe Corpus Allo in, like, 10 fewer games or 20 fewer games will still get more wins just because Columbus will be a better team. So, yeah, go Hollywood. Uh, let us know who you want to throw at us, and then we can ask our goalie expert here in Will who he would draft, the goalie slash dynasty expert. Uh, okay, so let's go to Detroit. Uh, this is a team that was absolutely terrible last year. Bernier, like you say, actually did pretty well, all things considered, but still probably wasn't worth drafting and having on your team in most formats just because of how bad the team was. And now Bernier is still around, but Detroit has decided to uh, get some reinforcements. So they did not choose to resign Jimmy Howard. Jimmy Howard still unsigned as of this recording, uh, but they brought in Thomas Grice who has been on the Islanders for a while, and now he's finally going to move on to Detroit on a two-year, $3.6 million per year contract. Last year, I actually remember Grice having a really good year, but when you look at overall, now I, re- I remember more clearly. He was amazing at the start, and if you, uh, I recall that Varlamov and Grice were actually just going back and forth every single game for like the first couple months of the season. Neither of them played two games in a row, but then at some point, Grice started to falter a little bit, and Varlamov took over and got the majority of the starts moving forward, and at the end, it was only a 9.13 save percentage for Grice, which was a big drop from his 9.27 save percentage in 43 games in 2018-19. So which which uh, Thomas Grice do you feel like is the real version of himself before we even get to him on Detroit? Like, is he this potential like 925 plus save percentage goalie, like the superstar, or is he more the guy that couldn't compete with Varlamov last year and ended up falling to like a sub 915 save percentage? He has the, the potential absolutely to be a 920 goalie, but not in, not in Detroit. <laughs> I think the, the situation has gotten... Uh, much worse for him. And when you look at the career stats of Thomas Greich, it's actually pretty, pretty impressive. He's probably one of the most un- underrated goalie in that has played the game. I, I mean, in the last couple of years, at least I'd say, because I think he has, I, I need to, to, to go check the stats to, to, to make sure I'm not mistaken, but he has something like 918 or 916 uh, uh, career save percentage, which is pretty, pretty impressive. And I, I don't think you you ask someone, hey, guess what is the, the career save percentage of Thomas Grice? I don't think he would say 915. That is the answer, 915. So um, all in all, during all of his career with different teams in different situations, he's been very good. He did figure out how to perform no matter what the situation was, like when he was with the Islanders and that was like a defensive funnel and they were very, very bad defensively, he, he had that, that, that year. But except that, he has like 920, 908, 925, 930, 927. So he can be that guy, but uh, in Detroit, I'm not so sure. So you think Detroit's going to be like just as bad this year or close to it as they were last year? Like this is a place where you want to avoid the goalie, even if they're as underratedly good as Thomas Grice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the the addition of uh, Mo, uh, Moritz Sider, Mo Sider, that, that's good. But the guy's 19 years old, so he, he won't change uh, all of the defensive outlook and shot suppression outlook of one team all by himself. So... So, yeah, it could be a a long year again ahead for Detroit. Right. Okay, well, who knows? Maybe, no, I mean, you know. But they got Troy Stetcher. I don't know if I remember that. (laughs) 
Philip Hronik is a year older, and I guess he'll be given a bigger role now. But yeah, it's it's still not looking good for this team. But maybe one day. Uh, and but uh, should we assume though, if you're in a league that just counts saves, you're trying to get as much volume as you can. Grice is gonna be the starter over Bernay, or do you see it as a fifty fifty thing? Because like you said, Bernay actually wasn't that bad last year. Even though Brian, my normal co-host, uh, is a known Jonathan Bernier hater, and maybe he'll get mad at me for saying that, but he's many times poo pooed me. I believe that last year when we did our Schmorgoliesborg, he wanted to put Calvin Pickard over Jonathan Bernier, even though I was pretty sure Pickard wasn't going to make the team. Uh, so, but what do you think? Is, is Grice and Bernier, are we looking at two even goalies, or is Grice the better goalie and the guy that's going to get more starts? It's tough to predict because they will go with the better one. They will go with the, the hot hand. Uh, and that is if Detroit even wants to win uh, this year. I don't know, probably. Uh, but yeah, it's not a very interesting situation. But maybe Thomas Grice can uh, Jonathan Bernier himself into fantasy uh, utility by, like you said, doing many, many, many saves, led, letting a lot of goals, but doing more saves. So yeah, Tom, Thomas Grice, I mean... I guess you could do you could do worse at the draft table, but uh, all in all, I, I'm not uh, that that interested. I think it's a risky situation, but yeah, they will go with the at hand. That's for sure. Probably like a, a team like Columbus will do. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess with Detroit, it's like, I feel like they might as well try. To, it's not like they're going to win a lot, even if they try to win. So you might as well, I feel like, try just to, you don't want to have your young stars in like a Larkin or a Mantha, just like sort of have, de- I feel like you develop some sort of bad habits and bad attitudes if you're just on it's such a bad losing team. So I don't know. If I was Detroit, I think I'd try to win as many games as they can. And just to like even build the confidence of some of these guys, so they'll be ready to go. Because uh, yeah, it's not as if they're going to win a lot, even if they try. Yeah, uh, that that is a great point, actually. Yes. Thank you, thank you, William. I like having you on the show. Mother, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're doing a great job. Uh, I don't know if people realize, but Will has a little bit of an accent. And a little, <laughs> <laughs> a big, big one. <laughs> so you normally podcast in French. The Nads and Gabs podcast is the podcast de fantasy hockey, <laughs> and uh, you're doing a great job here, even though it's your second language. It's amazing. Oh, I- I'm not sure of that. I think you're. <laughs> thank you very much thank you <laughs> you think i'm buttering you up you just want to be kind with me uh okay i think it's going well okay well let us know what you think of the podcast so far <laughs> uh, but let's move on so we're past detroit uh, another team that has a new situation we talked about cam talbot back when he was on the flames and how he outplayed david riddick now he'll get the chance to outplay alex stalock who's on minnesota so uh, stalock is actually another goalie like riddick who's had some opportunities and hasn't been able to you know, really take over. The last year was kind of different for him. I remember back when Stalock was on San Jose. At one point, I thought maybe Stalock would have a chance to become a starter there, and that went horribly wrong. And then last year, a lot of us assumed that Devin Dubnik was going to be the high-volume starter on the wild like he had been in the previous seasons. But no, like, Dubnik really stunk, and Stalock was... Okay, I guess. He had a 9-10 save percentage in 38 games. Seemed to get better as the season went on. Uh, But obviously, Minnesota doesn't want to just depend on him. And so they have went and signed Cam Talbot to a three-year, 3.67 per year uh, deal. 
And Talbot was, like we said, good last year. He had a 919 save percentage. Actually, very good. Better than a lot of these other goals we've talked about. You know, you have your Holtby's who signed for big money. Or you have your Markstrom's who people talk about as one of the best goalies last year. But if I have the numbers correctly, uh, Jacob Markstrom had a 918 save percentage last year. And Cam Talbot had a 919 save percentage. So I know there there's more that goes into goalie evaluation, just what their raw save percentage was. But Talbot, let's just say it. He was really good. He earned this new contract when he, like a Crawford, was looking for a while. Like he might be out of the league soon after like a dreadful stint on Edmonton and then he went to Philly and was even worse there. Uh, so here we are. We've got Talbot, we've got Stalock, and we have this prospect in Kapo Kakanen, who I also have to bring up because he had a great season with Iowa of the AHL last year. He had a 927 save percentage in 34 games. I was thinking before this Talbot signing that maybe Kakanen is like a sleeper to be the next Binnington, you know, someone to come up and end up being like the star goalie and someone who many people didn't even have on their radars. Uh, so now in Minnesota, is it as simple as it's going to be Talbot as the starter, Stalock as the backup, Kakanen starting in the minors, or do you see it going a different way? Yeah, probably. And uh, Talbot is back. Billy Guerin was pretty clear that Cam Talbot is his guy. And he, he was good last season, like you said, Elon. And he's going into a much better situation with better protection. So I, I'm interested in, in, Cam, in Cam Talbot, actually. With that said, uh, Staylock uh, stole the job away from Dubnik last year. And he's very, very much appreciated in the organization. So he will have his starts. But Billy Guerin was clear. Cam Talbot, his our guy. He is our number one goalie. Um, and like you said, then you have Kapo Kakanen, who is one of the very, very best goalie prospect in the NHL. So it's a pretty unclear situation and a fascinating one to follow. Uh, with what I've seen and what I've uh, read in the last couple of months, with what I've seen last couple of years, I would say that Talbot is the starter out of the gate and will get a pretty long leash. So st- st- uh, Talbot is the number one, but Kakanen is younger. He has the higher ceiling, I think. Uh, I think this kid will force his way into more starts and force Stalock on the outside looking in probably by I don't know, the trade deadline. So I, I would look at this situation actually for the second half of the season at worst, like we were looking at Buffalo's crease in 2018-19. I don't know if you remember, they were they, there was a Carter Utten, the newly signed goalie who was good elsewhere and coming on the uh, similar contract. Uh, I think it was three times 2.75, something like that for for Carter Utten. And then you had Linus Olmark, a young goalie in the minor who was great in the minors, was good in his uh, shortest stints in the NHL. So it's a very similar situation. So Kakanen being Yulmark, the younger, higher ceiling goalie, and Talbot being like Carter Utten on a similar contract and who is pegged as the starter out of the gate. But um, yeah, it it will be interesting to watch. But I really have Buffalo 2018-19 flashbacks with this situation. Interesting. Okay, then would that make Staylock the... I don't know, who, who was Buffalo's backup to start that year? It's probably some goalie that we've all completely forgotten. I'll, I'll try to look that up unless you have that off the top of your head. It, it, it was Allmark, actually. Oh, okay. So yeah. it wasn't like there was a stay lock in place that needed to be bumped down. Uh, exactly. Well, 
Stalock does have two years left in his contract, but it's like 785000 a year. So I guess they could always just waive him in worst case. They send him down to the minors if no one claims him. I'm sure someone would claim him. So maybe like you like I said, maybe they could trade him at the trade deadline and get something for Stalock if they really need to bring Kakinen up because he's just doing so well. So I don't know, good for Minnesota to have a good situation in net now. And hopefully you think that Cam Talbot is more skilled than Carter Hutton <laughs> because Carter Hutton uh, looked bad almost right away on yeah. Buffalo. So do you think it'll do you think Cam Talbot could do better? Yeah, yeah, he will have good protection. I honestly at the draft table if you want to use a, like you said Elon the strategy to go heavy on forwards, wait on goalies. If you wait on goalie and you find yourself with a Cam Talbot you go out of your draft with uh, a pretty good netminder who will get a lot of starts and have good stats, I think, because like uh, like you know probably, Elon, the Minnesota Wild are one of the best shot suppression team in the NHL. They're good at protecting their goalies. So yeah, Talbot will have a great season. And I, I don't want to act like Stalock is gone because he was very good, like we like we said for this organization. But I think that Capo Kakanen is ready for the NHL. He will prove it, and at this point, he's probably uh, too good for the AHL. So we'll see. But my gut feeling tells me that uh, by the second half of the season, when the season starts eventually, uh, by the the second part of the season, we'll have a tandem of Cam Talbot and. Capo Kakonen, and it's not impossible that uh, Kakonen end up ends up being better than Talbot. But uh, like I said, I think Cam Talbot can me can be your your target if you want uh, to wait on on goalies in the redraft league uh, draft. Okay, that makes sense. So how about this as the advice? Wait on goalies, grab your Cam Talbot late, but then make sure you're eagle-eyed on the news. And if Kakonen ever gets called up from the minors. Make sure to grab him right away. Don't let someone else get him if you're in a one-year league and not like a crazy dynasty league where Kakanin has been owned for a long time. But uh, I think that way you could be pretty successful and you're safe either way. Uh, okay, so then let's go now to the team that has Minnesota's former goalie in Devin Dubnik, who, like we said, was dreadful last year. And it's all the more embarrassing that he had an 890 save percentage, considering that you say they're one of the better teams at protecting their goalies, maybe one of the best teams. And still, Devin Dubnik couldn't do anything with that, had this terrible year, 890 save percentage, which means he even had a worse season than San Jose's other goalie, Martin Jones, because Jones had an 896 save percentage. So the Sharks are going into next season with two sub-900 goalies. This is a, a like not a good appealing looking situation. Uh, uh, to me, like the Sharks goalies might be the goalies you want to have the least because at least Martin Jones, like when we knew he was bad, at least you knew that you might as well draft him in fantasy because he'll win some games and get a lot of starts and get some saves. But like last year, they didn't win a lot of games. Like the Sharks went were much worse than we expected. Now, also to me, unless you'll tell me differently, it looks like a clear, you know. 1A, 1B, or maybe just 50-50 situation. Whoever's doing better will get the starts. So, like, neither of these guys have, like, any appeal to me. Uh, how about you? I agree. I agree with the Detroit guys. That's probably the the least interesting uh, tandem. Uh, to me, like you said, it, it's clearly a go-with-the-hot-hand situation here. Uh, now, will will who will be the hot-hand? 
I'd probably go with, and I can't believe I'm going to say that, but I'd probably go with Martin Jones because, like you said, he was better last year in a much worse situation. He's four years younger. He has the bigger contract. He's been with this organization forever. He's been to the Stanley Cup final with them. So, and like it's hard to remember, but he was pretty good up until the 2018 season. But I really can say that I'm overly confident in either of these goalies, Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik. At this point, maybe it's the goalie geek in me who's talking here. But at this point, I'm probably more interested about what a guy like Alexei Melnichuk can offer. He's 22 years old, very, very talented Russian goaltender who was... Uh, 9.30 safe percentage keeper in the KHL last year in his age 21 season, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he lacks a bigger sample size against pro uh, competition, but we need, to, we need to wait for that. He has a contract with San Jose. He's a great sleeper for Dynasty Leagues in redraft. Maybe a flyer in the end, end, end of the draft, but more like a follow the news and a rush to the wa waiver wire when he's called up because I think he could end up being better than Dubnik and Martin Jones. Uh, but at this point, uh, we need to follow this uh, situation. If Martin Jones stay Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik stays 2019-20 Devin Dubnik, I, I, I would suggest that San Jose takes a look at what they have in the 22 years old Alexei Melnichuk. Okay, so if you had to pick just for next year, but maybe also in terms of dynasty, who do you think has a better chance of making an impact getting into the NHL between Alexei Melnichuk and Kapo Kakanen? Oh, I love it. I love it. I I'd say uh, the answer is Kakanen for the, the two questions. So in dynasty and redraft, I'd go with Kakanen because of the bigger sample size and he already saw NHL action and was good. But Melnicha could, could pay big if it works out. Okay, what do you think is the more egregious thing that the Sharks are doing? Patty's bringing up how they're spending $20 million for two defensemen or that they're paying like $10 million for their two goalies in Dubnik and Jones? <laughs> Clearly $10 million on their two goalies, <laughs> Dubnik and Jones, who are not even above average, which, which is pretty, uh, pretty fascinating, I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, actually, Patty, that that sounds kind of like a shot at Eric Carlson, and we don't appreciate that here <laughs> at uh, Keeping Carlson headquarters. <laughs> He's worth every penny, okay? Well, you've heard her here first. Probably not, but I think Carl Carlson's having a big season next year. But uh, I agree. Well, I agree. The, the nice. long wait time and, uh, yeah, the, the long off season. If one guy will benefit the most from that, I think it's EK65. Great. I love it. I love to hear it. Okay, and the Sharks... They're going to stink, though, because of these terrible goalies. What happened to Devin Dubnik, by the way? Like, wasn't he good? Just, like, somewhat recently? Like, what did you see in his game that changed so quickly? Is it just that he's... We haven't really talked about this. Like, the aging curve for goalies. Like, is it just that he got older and he's lost a step and he's, like, a little bit slower? Or do you think it's more of a mental thing? Like, what shifted? You asked me... I, I don't know if, if it was uh, during the recording of the podcast or before Elon, but you asked me sometimes if a goalie has good stats, but... The eye test is not that good and you don't really, really understand why a goalie has that much success. 
I think it's the case with Devin, Devin Dominic. He really, really benefited from a great system, a great protection with the Minnesota Wild. He was good. He had like 920, uh, 920 save percentage season. So it's not only on luck and on a great defense, but I, I think it was for the most part this. And now he's just like, so bad that even with a good protection and good defense, it cannot bail him out. So, yeah, I think he's just bad. And I really think it, 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 it won't be nice to see with San Jose next year. I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty worried with the, the goaltending of the Sharks. And I don't think it was a, a great uh, acquisition uh, by the Sharks, uh, De- Devin Dubnik. But yeah, to, to answer your question, he was good, kind of good. But he really, really, really benefited from being the starter of a great defensive team. Right. It's true. Because Dubnik, we all recall, like, was kind of not great for a while before he got to Minnesota, right? Like he kind of struggled in Edmonton. Then I believe he went to, he like went around a little bit, like to Arizona, was it? And to Montreal for a little bit. Anyways, yeah. He ended up. Yeah, he ended up in Minnesota. It was a great situation, and he really took advantage, made uh, some nice millions. He's still got one year left on this, like, four-plus million-dollar contract, and then we'll see if he's still in the league after that, depending how things go next year. Uh, okay, so you've brought up this prospect, Ilya Samsonov, a few times on the show now. We're comparing, I believe you compared him to Mackenzie Blackwood, and you were comparing him to, like, a Thatcher Demko type. Uh, so let's talk about him, because nothing has changed for him. He's still on the Washington Capitals, but, of course, Braden Holtby is now out of the picture, and instead, Washington is going to go with the tandem of Samsonov and then Henrik Lundqvist who comes over from the Rangers for this one year 1.5 million dollar deal uh, so Samsonov is a guy people have been talking about for a while last year he finally got his NHL action for the first time he as a 23 year old a 913 save percentage in 26 games which doesn't even like seem as good as what I remember like I remember him playing pretty well but I guess it it did I do recall that Braden Holby did start taking over and getting more starts by the end of the season and Holby was the goalie for the short playoff runs so I guess it makes sense but Samsonov is someone people really are high on and now I assume he's the starter and Lungfist comes in as the backup though if you read interviews by Henrik Lundqvist, he's saying, no, I'm not like, sure, I want to help uh, Samsonov and give him some guidance, but I still want to try to be a starting goalie in the league. And Lundqvist has lots of confidence in himself and he thinks he can still do it, even though he's 38 years old and he had a 905 save percentage in 30 games last year. So do you think, regardless of what Lundqvist wants to accomplish, it's a clear cut Samsonov number one and Lundqvist as the backup? Yeah, yeah. With all due respect to one of the greatest to to ever being a, uh being a goalie in, in Lundqvist. Samsonov is the guy here. With Lundqvist being a quality backup and a very, very high-quality mentor for the young Samsonov, but with with the condensed schedule and a young goalie, the Caps really want to develop perfectly, properly. The, the signing, the cheap signing of a guy like Lundqvist, it's a very good move for them. It's a good move. They have a great insurance policy, a great mentor for the, for the young Samsonov. They don't want to mess this guy's development. So they, they, put, uh, they put a couple of dollars in a guy like, like Lundqvist to, to assure that. But he will command more starts than a guy like Vitek Vanecek or Phoenix Copley would have. That's for sure. He will command more starts. But Samsonov is the clear number one. And I, I think one of the greatest goaltender value this year, that's for sure. Uh, I was talking about how a Cam Talbot could be a great pick for a guy waiting on a goalie. Um, if uh, Samsonov fall into draft, uh, 
I think he will be one of the greatest still at the draft table. That's for sure. He will probably go under the radar, certainly under guys like Shesterkin, Carter Hart, Tristan Jarry, Ellibuck, probably Mark Strom and a couple more. And he, he very well could be as good or even more productive than these guys behind the good Washington team. The guy is tremendously talented, one of the very, very best goalie prospect we we had we had the in the waiting in the wings for like since 2015, I think. So he's definitely a guy to watch and a guy I will try I will try to have on as many fantasy teams as possible. Yeah, I'm pretty bullish on uh, on on Samsonov here. Cool. So yeah, I guess the tricky thing is like you have the sense that maybe he'll fall below all these other goalies, but if you wait too long, he'll get taken like and you'll end up getting sniped. So the trick is going to be like when to draft this guy. Maybe we'll start getting some AAVs from Yahoo once people are drafting their leagues and we can see where Samsonov is falling. But I agree with you. Like there's no reason why he can't be as good as like a Carter Hart next year and for sure people are going to be more excited about Hart, but Like, why not? Samsonov has just as good of a pedigree, from what I'm told, and he also is in a great situation where, like you say, he's got Lungfist there, who will get some starts, especially in a condensed schedule, but Samsonov is clearly the guy. The Caps didn't sign Lungfist for a one-year deal to, like, take over as their starter. Clearly, they see Samsonov as their long-term guy, so I agree with you, and another reason maybe not to reach for a Carter Hart. You also left off, like, a Vasilevsky, so you could grab Vasilevsky first, or you could wait and try to get Samsonov, like, five rounds later, and it might end up working out better for you. Yeah, absolutely, and if you look, if you take a look closer, closer at this guy, he's so athletic he's quick he has a very good rebound control he's always in the right place i really really like him i, I really think that he's very close to guys like shishchurkin and and hart much more closer than the general consensus seems to rank him so yeah i, I think he could be a great draft day uh, still uh, that the uh, Ilya samsonov guy Okay, write, write it down. Patty's writing in the chat room here. She's writing in her fantasy journal notes. Samsonov, okay, underline it. Uh, so that, I think, does it for all of the teams that have like a new starter, like kind of a new, a really new situation. But I still have four teams in mind that I guess have the same starter as last year, but new backups. And maybe you'll say that they might not be backups. So I think it'll still be fun to go through since we haven't been talking for that long yet. So let's let's squeeze a little more value out of you, Will. <laughs> so uh, you brought up, you know, Sam Sanov, and you're talking about how like comparing him to Shostjork and like the other guy that I hear generally compared to those two guys is another guy from the KHL in Ilya Sorokin, who is signed by the New York Islanders. And with Grice on his way to Detroit, it appears that the Islanders are going to bring Sorokin in to play in a tandem or as the backup to Semyon Varlamov. And yeah, I'm very interested to hear what you think is going to happen over on the Islanders because they've been so successful running these tandems when they can and giving Grice lots of games. But Varlamov definitely showed that he was deserving of this four-year, five million per year contract. I remember like on this very podcast, Brian was saying how he thought that the Islanders really overspent. He didn't understand why they signed that contract. But last year, obviously it worked out well. The Islanders went on a deep playoff run and Varlamov built on his 
solid 914 save percentage in the regular season in 45 games, and he had a 921 save percentage in 20 playoff games. So he was fantastic. But then again, now we have this guy, Ilya Sorokin, who's 25 years old and is coming off an amazing season in the KHL with Ska Moskva. He had a 935 save percentage there. It seems like he's been good ever since he got to the KHL when you look at his numbers. So do you think that Sorokin is like the next Grice where he'll play more than an average backup but still be the backup? Or do you think we're looking at a situation where Sorokin can even take over from Varlamov and get more starts? I'd say he's the next uh, Shesterkin. He's the real deal. Uh, Sorokin really has a Shesterkin-like talent. And some could say some Russian scouts seems to think that he could be even better, which is hard to imagine. Uh, with that said, uh, I expect a traditional uh, New York Islanders 1A, 1B split all over again, like Leonard and Grice, like Varlamov and Grice especially with the well-documented uh, condensed uh, schedule. So Varlamov will probably be the one A out of the gate, but uh, it, it won't be long at all before Sorokin unseats him. Uh, Sorokin will have a tremendous uh, fantasy value this season, with uh, especially with uh, the Mitch Korn, Barry Trotz uh, treatment. Uh, he will benefit, well, I'd say that with Sorokin, sky is the limit for him. He, he very well could place himself in the, uh, again, Shesterkin, Carter Art, Elibok conversation quickly. And I really don't think he will be drafted that high. So that could be here another, uh, well, one of my favorite draft days still. I always avoid naming Vasilevsky in, in that list because I really think that he's, he is in his home tier um, but in Dynasty League, he's a must-own, I'd say, a, a buy-low because most fantasy players know he's very good and very promising, but he's much more than that. He he really could be a fantasy MVP for many, many years to come. When When you place a great goalie like that in a great system that protects his goalie, uh, that protects their goalie perfectly, Really, sky is the limit, and I'm so excited to see what Ilya Sorokin will do this year. And I think we, we like I said, we, we very well could have like Igor Shesterkin-like numbers. And yeah, that, that's exciting, especially for Dynasty League owners. Right. But hey, maybe even for next year, because even if he only plays 50% of the games, if he could put up numbers like all these other great goalies have on the Islanders recently, and you're saying he might be even better, we might be looking like a 920 plus save percentage. Like I don't know how high to get on him when he first gets into the league. Maybe he'll need some time to adjust. Maybe he even... There's no chance he goes to the AHL though, right? Like he's going to start the year on the Islanders. Is there anyone else who's there that could play as the backup while Sorokin gets his feet under him? Yeah, they can't mess with that guy. They can't risk uh, getting him mad because he's in the AHL, he's a star already. And to answer your, your question quickly, yeah, he, with all due respect to Thomas Grice or, well, maybe Robin Leonard is a stretch, but he's, he's better than those guys. He's wow. very, very, very good. So yeah, sky's the limit. A 930 safe percentage, I don't know, certainly possible. Wow. 
<laughs> okay, well, on the Islanders, it's not even that much higher than what other people have done in the past. And so, and what about Varlamov? Do you think, because that's the reason why Sorokin may be a little underrated, right? Is a lot of people are looking at how good Varlamov was last year and thinking, well, why would they play Sorokin that much? And if Varlamov was totally solid and had that amazing playoffs, do you think that Varlamov is as good as that playoff run indicated? Like, was he maybe struggling on Colorado more because Colorado was a tough team to play for? Or is he like maybe more like a Dubnik where he just played on such a good team that it made him look better than he really is? No, he, he was good this year, that, that's for sure. But I mean, Henrik Lundqvist was good with the Rangers too. And Igor Shesturkin just, <laughs> just relegated him to the, to the backup goalie duties. And I think maybe that's, what, it, that's uh, what is in store for Varlamov. He's good. Yeah, he's good. But Sorokin is very, very, very good. So right. <laughs> we'll see. He, he will be the starter out of the gate, Varlamov. That's for sure. But uh, I, I wouldn't invest a, a draft pick in him. Well, maybe much, much later. But I think he will, he will go relatively early, probably mid-draft. I don't know, mid, mid, in the middle rounds. And I, I'm not ready to to pick him there. I really think that Sorokin will be the the starter, and in, he will be better. Right. Yeah. I guess if you're in a draft with people like you and Victor who care so much about prospects, then yeah, Varlamov will fall. But in most leagues, I think I agree with you that Varlamov will be taken high because I'll bet you a lot of the people you might be drafting with, if you're in a more casual league, people might be looking at Sorokin and being like, well, who's this guy? I haven't even heard of this guy. Varlamov is great. So then they'll think like Varlamov's going to get a ton of starts and he'll get drafted maybe a lot higher than he should be. So I agree with you that I don't think I'm going to be taking Varlamov in any of my leagues because I will probably, well, I'm going to be hoping that someone else reaches for him before I even have to think about it. Uh, Okay, so another team that I guess actually... I'm going to Pittsburgh now. I was saying that these are teams where the starter hasn't changed. So I guess technically, like going into the season, Matt Murray was the starter last year, but Tristan Jari quickly took over, had just a fantastic campaign as a 25-year-old, 921 save percentage in 33 games. And now Murray is gone, which means it's all Tristan Jari. Like there is this guy, Casey DeSmith, who a couple years ago, it was DeSmith and Murray as the tandem in Jari in the minors. But I feel like going to next year, after the season that Jari just had and to Smith also being four years older I gotta imagine it's Jari as the for sure starter and then they'll hope that to Smith can be a solid backup uh he though wasn't that great last year 905 save percentage in 41 games with Wilkes-Barre Scranton of the AHL but it's a pretty cut and dry here in Pittsburgh and also I guess the more important question is like how good is Tristan Jari because you were listing Jari as one of these goalies that's probably gonna get drafted really high because Pittsburgh is still like a great team and he had this great year last year so do you think he's gonna be worth a really high draft pick nope no, oh. not, not at all. Um, and it's funny because I'm a Pittsburgh Penguin uh, fan, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins fan. And um, I, I think I will take a pass on Jari because like if he slips in draft, yeah, I, I will draft him. That's for sure. But I, I wouldn't take him ahead of guys like uh, Samsonov or uh, uh, even even a Cam Talbot. Could, we could have a, a discussion. Oh. Well, I, I would take Jari before. That's for sure. But for what I have to invest in terms of draft capital, I, I prefer to wait on a guy like uh, Talbot than to reach for for a Jari because that that one is kind of more interesting that than people realize. I think I, I really like Jari. But Casey DeSmith is still interesting because Jari started, nobody realized that, I think, but Jari 
started to struggle last year when he was playing too much, when he was playing more game, when he was a real starting goalie. So I'm not 100% convinced that he is a slam dunk, workhorse, number one goaltender. Plus, there's the fact that the Smith was actually very good in his 50-something games with the Penguins. So uh, like 921 and 918 save, percentage, save the percentages, I think. So he very well could play himself into more games like Stalock did it uh, last year. Nobody expected that and it happened. So I don't think it's likely. I, I want to be, to be clear here. It's not likely but it's definitely not out of the realm of possibilities. It's not impossible that uh, we, we, we talk again uh, next summer and, oh my God, Casey DeSmith had like 52 starts. It's not likely, but it's not impossible because Jari showed me last year that he could not handle a large work, workload. So DeSmith is a kind of a good sleeper because Pittsburgh will win games. That's for sure. Well, I hope as a fan. Um, so he's a good sleeper because most fantasy hockey players or managers probably are looking at him like a true Laurent Brossois-like backup. But to me, he's way closer way closer than uh, a 1D than we think. Way closer to a 1D than we think. Uh, the best case scenario for Pittsburgh would have been to sign a proven 1D like Grice, Hudobin, Alak and company. But I believe in the Smith's talent. He, he will not unseat Jari and be the uncontest number one goalie. But I really, really think that he will get more starts than people are expecting him to have. Right. Yeah. I think this is like, it definitely sounds like a very hot take, but you may, you bring up a good point. Like, so Jari had that great run last year. But again, like you say, he kind of struggled a bit near the end of the season. And also, he's only played 62 games uh, in his whole entire NHL career, like 33 last year, then he had like 26 and two uh, spread out over the previous couple of years. So yeah, it's like, if people are going to be drafting him super high, it is kind of risky to take a guy who's never actually been a full-time starter and only have this one really good stretch of like three, four months. So yeah, I've... I'm, you know, I'm convinced anyways, maybe I'm not convinced to like grab a Casey to Smith until the very end, but I am convinced that I'm not going to be reaching for a Tristan Jari because like you say, you might as well get a Cam Talbot later and you've gotten a lot of stud skaters and maybe Talbot ends up playing more games and maybe also has a bit better protection. So I, I'm with you, man. It's a hot take, but I'm here in the fire with you, Will. So, okay, that's Pittsburgh. That's the hot take there. Are you, there's no way you're going to have a hot take on this next team, I don't think, in Montreal. <laughs> uh, but maybe you'll surprise me. Uh, Carey Price, the beloved Carey Price of myself. And most people who have a French accent, I feel like, love Carey Price. So you, maybe you'll be one of the first ones that it feels differently. Uh, Price, like last year, overall, not a great season, right? Like 909 save percentage in 58 games. Like very good. And like considering the workload, it's like hard to imagine how much better he could have been. But then, you know, he had that long rest. Then he had the chance to, you know, get ready and fully healthy and whatever he needed to do for the playoffs. And a 936 save percentage in 10 games was amazing. Helped the Habs get past Tristan Jari and the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
And so, yeah, going into next year, I feel like it's really exciting for Price because instead of having garbage backups like they've had over the past little while, the Keith Kincaid's of the world, and no offense to Keith Kincaid, but like he didn't play very well. Uh, Now they've got Jake Allen, who in the past has also been talked about as being maybe a bit garbage, at least in terms of his NHL performance. But last year, he definitely made up for it and earned the majority of his $4.35 million contracts. He had a 927 save percentage in 24 games. And the Habs like what they saw so much that not only did they trade for Allen and take on that pretty big contract for a backup, 4.35 million, but they also extended him for two more years at 2.875 million for the two years after next. Uh, so I guess we know the Habs goalie situation for the foreseeable future. My take has always been that Allen being in the picture is great for Price because Price can play less, but he'll have better numbers because he won't be exhausted from having to play every game in order for the Habs to have a chance to win. Is it as simple as that? Like, Price is the sure starter, but Allen is good enough that they'll be able to rest him a reasonable amount? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Allen is a true backup, but he could be useful in the the small amount of, of starts he will get. Uh, but yeah, Price is a stud and should be well rested with the long, unfortunately, the long off season. He should have a, a better team in front of him this year. And yeah, he will be very productive for his fantasy owners and uh, fantasy owners. And yeah, he's a great, great uh, pick. Uh, maybe he could be much closer than a Connor Ellebuck than some people think. Um, yeah, I, I love price uh, outlook for for next year, and I don't know. Maybe you want me to to continue that uh, that take in French uh, to our uh, Montreal Canadiens <laughs> fans. <laughs> Yeah, please go for it. Uh, uh, no, I, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I, I can say something in French that every fantasy players will would like to hear. Okay, let's hear it. Alexis Lafreniere. Ah, okay. I should try, probably learn to say that better. Alexis Lafreniere. 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 I know him actually. He's well, the, a friend of my friend. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Any, <laughs> any takes about him that you know? What, what does your friend think of him? Is he a nice guy? Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's talented and he's, he, I mean, his success doesn't change him. So that's nice. If you had the number one pick in a dynasty league of all the players available are people who have played fewer than 82 NHL games. Who would you, would, it, would you take Lafreniere or would you take like uh, Makar Hughes or someone else? Uh, I would take uh, Kel Makar. Ah, okay. Although uh, Victor said last week he would take Quinton Byfield. How crazy of a take was that? Pretty, pretty crazy because, well, I mean, it depends of how patient you are because I think the waiting time for Byfield is longer, the, the waiting time to be a fantasy superstar, but the, the ceiling is there for, for Byfield, that's for sure. But uh, the value above replacement for a guy like Makar or even Quinn Hughes, that's through the roof. So I, I would go with that guy. You don't see those kind of uh, of defensemen, of young defensemen pass too often. So I, I would draft Makar, yes. Okay, fair enough. But Lafreniere is a good guy. Yeah. And obviously he's going to like have a very good career, no doubt about it. Okay, so what have we done here? Pittsburgh, Islanders, Montreal. Okay, one more goalie situation, which is the team that Jake Allen used to be on. So in St. Louis now, uh, Jordan Binnington stays the starter. 
But Jake Allen is gone, and so I assume the backup next year will be Vili Husso, who's the one who we thought was potentially going to be taking over as the backup for Allen instead of Binnington, before Binnington burst onto the scene. So now we've got these two goalies. So Binnington, 27 years old, not the most amazing year last year, 9-12 save percentage, a little bit worse than he did the year before when he broke into the league and had that amazing run all the way to the Cup. Uh, but then in the playoffs, it was even worse. In those five games... He was dreadful, right? 851 save percentage. Uh, you go, he was getting pulled. It wasn't good. And St. Louis, resp- it's interesting that St. Louis responded to this by trading Allen. <laughs> you would think like they would want to stick with their backup who just had a really good year, especially since Binnington struggled. But maybe the Habs willing to take that contract off of them was just too much. And obviously they were able to use that money to get a Tory Krug. So I don't mean to judge, but now I definitely want to get your take on is Binnington maybe not as good as we thought a couple years ago? And then also how good is Vili Husso? because maybe he's someone who could pull a Binnington and start stealing some starts. Right? He had a 909 save percentage in 42 games in the AHL last year. He's 25 years old, and it's hard to really read too much into these AHL save percentages because I don't know much about you know, what the team situation is over there and how the defense is. So I've got a goalie expert here. So what are your thoughts on Binnington and Husso? Or, if any, or maybe there's some third goalie I should be considering. Oh, no, it's really Binnington and Husso. And it's funny how it turned because, yeah, Husso was pegged as the maybe future starter or certainly the the Jake Allen's true competitor. And finally, there's Jordan Bennington who who skipped uh, Husso and now he's the starter and now Husso is his backup. So that's uh, kind of funny. Yeah, I I was worried actually about uh, Jordan Winnington uh, following his uh, poor showing in the postseason, but the, the Jake Allen trade was a big, big vote of confidence by the Blues management. So, yeah, Biddington will remain the workhorse, starting goaltender behind a very good St. Louis Blues team. So he will be fine. But let's not forget that Alex Pieta- Pietan- Pietrangelo, now he's gone. So uh, th- this loss should not be overlooked. So there's that. I'm pretty curious to see what Husso has in him. He was a... Very good goalie, had a pretty good pedigree prior to his poor showing in 2018-19. At this point, I would really recommend a wait-and-see approach with him because uh, I still believe in Bennington, actually. He was not good in the playoffs. Uh, I saw the video, maybe he was trying to do too much. Uh, at least that's what I saw. Uh, I I think that he was trying to be the, the hero he was during the Stanley Cup run. But the problem is that during the Stanley Cup run, he was not trying to be the hero. He just was the hero by playing his game and things turned turned out that way. So maybe he was trying to do a, a little bit too much uh, this, uh, this postseason. But I love how confident he is, how he, he seems strong mentally. Well, in the postseason, it was not really the situation, but usually after a bad game, a bad goal, he he rebounds pretty, pretty effectively. So, yeah, I I really love Bennington. And if the general consensus is down on him, uh, I'd gladly draft him in, in the middle rounds in the fantasy redraft league draft. Okay, yeah, so yeah, he is someone who I could see falling after that bad playoffs. And yeah, so maybe you could get some value because it sounds like you're saying Huso at some point had a lot of pedigree and now like obviously anything could happen. But next season, we're looking at Binnington being the presumed starter with quite a long leash, which makes sense at this point. Okay, so let me see, who can I compare him to? Okay, you're drafting a one-year league. 
Uh, let's say Sorokin and Bennington are both available. I assume you're going to go Bennington? Yeah, I'd go Bennington. I, I really, really love Sorokin, but I, I'd go Bennington, yes. Okay. I almost feel like now let's just stick around for another like three hours and come up with a full fantasy ranking in various formats of every single goalie. And then do we you, could just have this nailed down. Do you want a, a bold take? Okay, hit me. I don't know if it's bold actually, but I'd take um, Bennington before Elibach. Oh, okay, yeah. I wasn't planning on bringing up uh, Winnipeg since nothing's changed there. But yeah, Hellebuck, it's, it's interesting. He had such an amazing year, a Vesna winning year. But I know everyone says that. Maybe the reason why he was so lauded was because he was able to put up these great numbers on such a bad team. But I'm assuming you're thinking that that will be hard to replicate and there's no reason to expect the Winnipeg defense to be better. Yeah, and I made a, a lot of good calls in my goalie analysis career, like, Elebuck, that's funny. Uh, when he was like a, a nobody, a, a very, very deep prospect, I drafted him. I, I, I really thought uh, about him and he eventually became a Vizina Trophy winner. So that was a, a good call. Uh, I saw coming other, other type of guys. And I will, uh, I will tell you my, my next Elebuck uh, maybe later. But yeah, it, it's funny because it, it was one of my big miss called of last uh, offseason, well, last uh, draft year season. I really, really was convinced that Elebuck was overdrafted, was going to be pretty bad because he was not that good the year before. And the team got pretty much worse they they lost uh, Tyler Myers they lost Dustin Bufflin they lost pretty much all of their defense corp and they had uh, Brian Little on uh, long-term injured reserve so yeah the, the team got very 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 much worse and Elibuck was not that good the year before so I, I really I, I really thought that last year was going to be a mess for him but uh, he made me lie. He was uh, lights out, uh, but I'm not convinced he can uh, replicate that uh, this year. But let's see. But he, he's one of the goalie I, I'm pretty down on uh, for, for the draft season. Yeah, well, especially just because he's going to get drafted so high. Yeah. Like, why why risk it? Like, obviously, if he falls and everyone feels like you do, then why not take a Vesna winner as, like, the seventh, eighth goalie taken? But he's not going to be falling that far. Exactly. And, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not reaching for Hellebuck. Uh, yeah, they also lost Truba. <laughs> so, yeah, they yeah, really Truba, did get decimated yeah. on defense. Yeah. Okay, so we've, these are the teams I wanted to talk through. But now let me – let's open it up a little bit. I got two main questions to close out the show. So, number one – did I miss one? Like, I was trying to think of every goalie situation in the league that I think is going to be different next season versus last season in terms of, like, who the starter is, who's the, who the backup is. Did I miss one, do you think? Is there, a, is there another situation I should have my eye on that it's not going to go the way I think? I have two for you. Ooh, okay. One who will be different this season and one who is to watch for the, the next season, but I'll explain. The first one. Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick. Uh, ah. I told you Cal Peterson is my um, plant your flag on him player. He's my ride or die, whatever you call it. Nice. I, I love him. I, I did a lot. I mean, a lot of videos and reading on this guy. And he really looks like the real deal. He's fast, always in the right position. The the scouting reports are clear. He's a great guy. Uh, Great kid, great attitude, strong mentally, great leader. I think he was captain as a goalie in Notre Dame in the NCAA. Um, and I, I made, uh, I did 
kind of uh, videos even in the AHL where he did not have like good numbers, but it, it was more like the team in front of him and he was trying to correct things of his game. So he played a little differently because of that. So um, I really would scratch these numbers in the AHL. He was lights out in the NHL. He was very good. So he's, he's the real deal. He's probably like um, for what you have to invest in him. So draft capital or to acquire in a trade, he's probably my best value among young goalie. He's, he's not like, Ilya Sorokin-like real deal, but I'm convinced he will be the starter for the Kings and they will be a very good team in a couple of seasons when he'll be the starter. So it's it's exciting and the waiting time is not an issue because he will be the 1B this year in LA. I really think it will be a 50-50 split between him and Jonathan Quick and this is what it was last year when Peterson was called uh, to play for the Kings Really, it was a 50-50 split. I think uh, Peterson had like nine starts and Jonathan Quick eight. So it will be a 50-50 split. And he will have the opportunity to play himself into uh, more and more starts. Um, I will probably draft him this season around uh, a Matt Murray for this season. So I really like him, yeah. Yeah, I guess that really depends on what you're going for, right? Murray's probably going to play more games unless he gets hurt. But uh, Peterson has put up better numbers, at least recently, than Murray. And uh, yeah, Ottawa's defense is... Well, LA is not exactly known to have such great defense right now. But also, I mean, LA... Like like you said, Peterson's been putting up good numbers, regardless of how good the team in front of him has been in the NHL. So I love that. You heard me last week talking with Victor about how I took... Uh, Matthew and I took Peterson in our Dynasty League. And Brian was like, not so sure about it. But I think we convinced him. And now this will only go to further convince him. So you say for next year... Peterson is probably like a 50-50 guy that's going to put up solid numbers. And then maybe the year after that is when you're really going to expect to see big dividends out of him. Yeah, exactly. I I would look at him the way I look at uh, probably, uh, I'd say even Jonas Corpusalo or maybe Elvis Merzlikens if uh, Corpusalo stays in Columbus. So yeah, I'm pretty bullish on him. Uh, I I love him. And yeah, he's my guy. He's my ride or die guy. Great. Well, Shane is, by the way, bringing up in the chat here. Peterson is 26 or 27. I guess I could look that up exactly. So yeah, 26. Than, yeah, so a little... Is that good or bad? I guess, like, a lot of people love to have in Dynasty Leagues their super young goalies that they'll have for the next 10 years. But even if he's only 26, or is already 26, I guess I should say, that could still mean he's got, like, five, six really good years ahead of him before we have to start worrying about regression. Absolutely. And for a goalie, 26 years old is like a 21 or 22 years old forward. And not ah. everybody is Carter Art. Normally, before the likes of... Uh, Carter Art, uh, normally a goalie takes longer. Uh, just look at Igor Shesturkin. I think he's like 24, 25. So uh, it's uh, perfectly normal for a guy like Peterson to to start playing himself into a, a starter role by age 26 or 27. That's normal for, for a goalie. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see what he has to offer. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I guess I know for sure Victor agrees with you from our show last week. Like, LA has a bright future. They've got all these great prospects. We just need a couple years for them to mature, and then this should be a good team for Peterson to play with. All right, so that's... Uh, you said you still have another goalie that's like a wait-and-see situation that you think might be different than what I was expecting. Yeah, that's another guy I like, and I I think I, I suggest you to... Uh, Name drop that guy uh, with uh, with uh, low tide. Your interview with uh, low tide, the thirty one beat series Edmonton Oilers. So okay. that's not a, a situation to watch for uh, this season, but the twenty one twenty two season. So for Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen in Edmonton, copy past last season. It will be the same thing. Though the 2021-2022 season could be very interesting in the Oilers' crease because it should mark the arrival of Ilya Konovalov in Edmonton, a very good Russian netminder who will try to be the next great KHL goalie to have success in North America. Um, but this season, the, this should be the, the boring Koskinen-Smith duo with Koskinen being the more effective goalie, but probably Mike Smith having more starts because... The, he's Dave Tippett's go-to guy. Probably my my mom don't love me as much as Dave Tippett <laughs> seems to love Mike Smith. So oh, he, he's probably the guy in Edmonton. But I'm so excited to 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 take a look at next year to see if Ilya Konovalov can be the next uh, starter in uh, in Edmonton. Man, yeah, it's like what are the Oilers? I don't know this whole Mike Smith thing. I agree with you. They they love him. I guess they decided to, get, but I don't know. Like I'm hoping that at least they tried to get some of these other UFA goals and then it didn't work out. So then they saw Smith as like the best option left. Like at least that's somewhat reasonable, but man, I just want uh, McDavid to go far in the playoffs and dry settle. Like I want to see this team go on a run and it's hard to imagine them doing it with this goalie tandem. But like you say, so maybe we have to wait one more year of frustration and then get this Conovalov guy in there to hopefully right the ship a little bit. Uh, okay. And then the final question I have for you, like, not in terms of a situation changing, but is there any goalie that we haven't discussed yet that you expect to be like very different next year than they were last year? So a goalie that had like a high save percentage last year. I guess you you brought up Hellebuck maybe as an example of this, like someone who was so amazing last year and you expect it not to last. So do you have anyone in either direction that you want to point out, make, stake your claim that this guy is like not as good as we think or he's a lot better than we think? Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good question, actually. So guys I like probably more than the consensus are, like I said, Thatcher Demko. I think he will have a good season. Uh, well, he has a pretty high consensus outside of Victor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess Demko will, have a, will be better this season than he was last season. Uh, I think we could have a John Gibson bounce back. This guy is just too good yeah. to keep being having... A, to keep having bad numbers. So I think we will have a, a John Gibson bounce back. I think we'll have a Sergei Bobrovsky bounce back. Obviously, I, I, I talked about Cal Peterson, Cam Talbot, Jordan Bennington, Robin Leonard. I think they, they will all be very, very productive, more than they were last season. And maybe a, a last guy who can be the forgotten man because of the Yaroslav Askarov selection by Nashville. UC Saros was lights out in the second half of this season last year, and everybody forgot it because, uh, you know, he was so-so in the playoff, and there's that Askarov thing. But Yaroslav Askarov won't be a Nashville Predators goalie next season. So 
Saros is still there. He was like a 946 goalie for the second half of the season or something like that. He won me a championship title all by himself almost. So there's UC Saros. I, I want to, to remember everyone that, that he's a very good goalie and a fascinating one at like five feet, uh, 10 tall, something like that. He's a, a one of a kind. And I really love watching him because of how he's small He needs to be at the right place and cover the right angle every inch as, as much as he can, always in the right place. I love uh, UC Saros, so he's a guy uh, I really like for this season. And if he can slip a, a couple rounds in draft because of Askarov and because of the, the, the so-so postseason, he's my guy. Yeah, and did you see it being that at least for next year, is it going to be like a 50-50 with Rene, or do you think it's time, like it was in the second half of last year, for us to be looking at Saros as like the 1A and Rene as the for sure 1B? No, it's it's Saros. Uh, probably uh, something like Samsonov and Lundqvist. Okay. Saros being Samsonov and Rene being Lundqvist. So yeah, in that case, I'll bet you that Saros is definitely a good guy to bring up. Because I'll be honest, I kind of forgot about him completely. And it sounds like he could have real value next year because Nashville's a really good team. And if he's the starter on that team, I mean, there you go. What more is there to say? Plus, like you said, he had really good numbers. Uh, okay, one guy that you brought up really quickly that I, I just have to zero in on a little bit. Uh, Bobrovsky, are you just saying Bobrovsky because he did so badly last year that it's almost impossible for him to do worse and he must at least get some variance go towards him that'll make him do better? Or have you, have, like, what happened with him in your opinion and what makes you think that he'll be better? Um, I guess he will get uh, more acclimated with his new team, new facilities, new life. Uh, I, I, I just can't explain what happened with him last season. I, I, I looked a lot of his game. I watched a lot of his games. And I don't know, he was just not this bad with the eye test, uh, I'd say. Um, there were a lot of... Uh, big goals that, that you say, oh my God, you just could not save that one. That was like a perfect pass or a perfect tip and a lot of bad bounces and unlucky goals. I, I won't say it was all of that, but maybe some sort of explanation to, you know, to explain why he was that bad last season. So if he's again bad this season with bad numbers, I will get off the Bobrovsky train But right now, I still, I still believe in the guy. I mean, last season, he was probably, well, with Columbus, so the season before, he was probably, well, top three, top four in all of the NHL. So I can't see why he would fall a cliff like that in just like one off season. So I, I, I will look closely how he'll perform this season. But yeah, I still believe in Sergei Bobrovsky. Right, yeah. I guess you can definitely say that it's just like Florida's defense was like really hard to play in front of him. Maybe it's such a huge adjustment from him going from Columbus to there. And yeah, he's someone who's going to fall in drafts also. And at some point, how can you not take Bobrovsky just because he's getting paid so much? He's going to have the leash. And like you said, he's been good very recently. Uh, so who would you take first between Bobrovsky and Saros? I'd go with Saros. Saros. Okay, all right. There it is. Well, also, like, Nashville's a better defensive team than yeah. Florida. Uh, okay, and then did you have... Oh, actually, let me jump into the chat here really quickly. 
uh, we have a couple people asking. I didn't bring up Carolina. I assumed it's going to be again with Reimer and Morozik as their two goalies. They do have this guy, Nedeljkovic, who we thought last year could be someone who could sneak in because I really had not much faith in Morozik. But he was actually like fine, I guess. Like, What do you think is going to happen there? Uh, I mean, probably a copy past from last season. I'm not, mm-hmm. um, I'm not that high on Nedeljkovic, so there's that. Uh, I think Morazic is the guy, but James Reimer will have value. So it's it's such a, a, disappoint, a disappointment that it's these two goalies with such a great defensive team, a great team in Carolina. I would love actually to see a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky in Carolina. Right. But yeah, Morazic and, uh, and Reimer will have their values and they will give you points, but... Uh, you know, they are Peter Morazic and James Reimer. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a Edmonton situation. Like, this team should be good. I just wish they could have some better goalies. Uh, do you think that if, let's say, Florida offered Bobrovsky to Carolina in a trade for, like, whatever, a fourth-round pick or something, do you think Carolina would take the deal and take on that contract? They should, but uh, I, I don't think a lot. they'd do it. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, uh, Bobrovsky would, you'd probably have to carry some of the salary if you want to move him if you're Florida. But yeah. hopefully he'll just bounce back and be okay. That was a crazy signing by them. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So I did ask you did you have any other names you wanted to throw out of, uh, on the other direction? A goalie who was really great last year and you don't expect him to do as well yeah. next year, aside from Hellebuck? Yeah, there's Hellebuck, uh, like you said. Uh, big save, Dave, David Riddick. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not interested at all in him. Um, Anton Hudobin can be a, a guy too. Maybe he will get, I, I, well, I'm sure he will get overdrafted because of his performance in the playoffs. But guys, let's not act like Ben Bishop is gone. He's still there. Yes, he's injury prone, but he's still in Dallas. Yes, the Stars have a great system, great protection for goalies. When Hudobin is in the crease, he will give you points, but he won't start like 60 or 65 times uh, next season. So I'm pretty down on Hudobin because, I mean, how can he be better than last year? I mean, he had like a 935 safe percentage or or something like that. So yeah, I'm pretty down on Hudobin. Uh, Thomas Grice. Uh, Curry Crawford, I really think that, and that's not, it's not that I don't like Crawford. It's more than I really, really love Mackenzie Blackwood. So Crawford, I'm pretty down because I think Blackwood is the guy there. And with the same logic, I'm pretty down on Semyon Varlamov because Ilya Sorokin is the guy there. Okay, you know, Shane here in the chat wants to start a fight with you. He's thinking that Cal Peterson is the one whose numbers are going to fall next year. And it's, it is a good point that he, he has put up really good numbers. And LA is still not that great a team for next year. But you're, you're confident Peterson will keep it up? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd, put, I'd put a considerable amount of money on the fact oh. that Cal Peterson will have a good NHL career. And in a dynasty draft, actually, when, when the, there was the, the goalie run, I drafted him ahead of guys like, like we said, Sergei Bobrovsky, Matt Murray, uh, Peter Morazek, and guys like that. So I, I really, really like him, especially in dynasty formats. 
Okay, so uh, Shane and William, you guys should definitely chat on our Discord channel or something afterwards, and you can throw. We have a we have a room on our Discord, a channel called the Bet Board, so we can throw this bet on there, and we'll, I'll be curious to follow and see who ends up winning. What is the bet like over or under twenty wins for Peterson next season? Okay, yeah, I guess you guys will have to figure it out. It's pretty <laughs> funny, actually. There's, like, a 20-second delay on this chat. So, like, right before you were... Like, while you were talking to me about how great Cal Peterson is, then Mathieu in the chat was like, you talk about Cal Peterson yet? And it's like, while he while I'm reading this, you're, like, lauding him with praise. So, yeah, I guess we'll, ha- we'll have to work out this trade afterwards when we're both in real time. Uh, but, okay... This has been amazing, William. The time has flown by. It's been almost two hours talking through all of these goalie situations. Thank you so much for all of your hot takes. Thanks for being willing to to come and share in your in your second language. I feel like this was just an, an amazing podcast. And for anyone who speaks French, uh, you should listen to the Nads and Gabs podcast of fantasy hockey. I, I wish I did. Maybe this is like a reason for me to start taking some language <laughs> lessons so that I could listen to this podcast. Because if it's anything like this, I'm sure it's fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity, Ilan. I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure how it looked like. Uh, now I can say it. It was like my first time speaking actually in English in my whole life, almost. So uh, maybe Wait, a couple... Not on a podcast, not in real life. <laughs> I, well, I mean, since high school, yeah. I, I, I mean, I... I can perfectly understand, obviously, English, read, read, write. But speaking, I think it's the first time since high school. So, yeah, it was a big challenge for me. Uh, I hope it it was uh, all good because I think I have some good infos, good insights to give on ghoulies. I mean, I'm a freak. I can talk to you about uh, a lot of love of uh, ghoulies. But it was a challenge to give that information in english and i hope i i did it well okay well, yeah you definitely did thanks so much is there anything else by the way you want to tell people to check out i i i'll link to your twitter in the show notes it's at will nadeau 29 uh w-i-l-l-n-a-d-e-a-u 29 and then there's the nads and gabs podcast which i'll reference also is, is there anything else no i think uh, that's uh, the the podcast and uh, i i very very appreciate uh, the time Elon. Cool. Well, thanks so much again for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and uh, educate me about all of these goalies. Uh, thanks, of course, also to everyone for listening. We're you know ramping up towards the next season, like it's coming before you know, and so we're getting all our ducks in a row here, learning about all the free agents, all the goalies. Brian and I are going to be back next week to talk about some more of the offseason movement that we didn't cover when we last talked about all that stuff. Like we still haven't talked about Dadanov in Ottawa or like Toffoli in Montreal. So we'll, we'll finish the you know the full slate of everything that happened there, and then before you know it, like I said, we're going to be opening up the Cupful for sign up soon. The Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. We're definitely going to want everyone to get in on that. Uh, we've got our projection project going which we're going to be giving more information about soon so uh yeah thanks so much everyone for listening thanks again william and i guess oh i guess i'm i don't have my regular co-host here so how about i'll go ahead and cue the outro music and i'll go ahead and read you the credits of this episode of keeping carlson was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons. Logos by Brandon Weeb. Outro music by Pat Roach. And it was researched with help from, well, actually, it was researched with the help of William Nadeau, who came on and told me everything about goalies. I obviously use frozen tools and all of that to get all of my stats. Uh, but yeah, it was mainly William. So thank you, William. Thanks again to the listeners. And we'll catch you all with another episode next week. Until then, fantasy hockey is for everyone.